Island Shakespeare Festival's Shakespeare Playground presents Tales from the Vomitorium 38 Short Stories by Scott Kaiser At Island Shakespeare Festival, our mission is to provide accessible classical theater realized for a contemporary audience. Tales from the Vomitorium is presented with special permission from Scott Kaiser and is made possible in part by support from our sponsors The Goose Community Grocer Goosefoot Community Fund, and Whidbey Telecom. Learn more at islandshakespearefest.org. Today, Maya Sugarman reads Jonathan Falls by Scott Kaiser. Then, Maya will share her response to the story. Afterwards, Scott and Dolina will chat about the story and the play by which it's inspired. We hope you enjoy. Jonathan Falls by Scott Kaiser Read by Maya Sugarman What the hell does he think of us? said Megan, sipping her raspberry spritzer through an oversized pink straw. He must think we're idiots, said Allison, biting into the pickle that came with her Reuben on rye. Megan, the owner of Page Talent Agency, and Allison, who ran the Ford Artists Group, had been roommates at Brandeis. After graduating, they had both come to New York, hoping to be actresses. But as the profession didn't seem to want them, and as eating was a luxury they couldn't do without, they each took clerical jobs in separate talent agencies to make ends meet. Fifteen years later, after learning the ropes and eating plenty of crow, they each had their own agency. And although they were competitors, they remained close friends, meeting every Wednesday at noon for their regular lunch date at the Windsor Deli in Midtown to catch up and compare notes. It was during their meal that they made an annoying discovery. They had both just signed exclusive agreements to represent the same aspiring young actor. Jonathan Falls. Jonathan had just graduated from the Yale School of Drama and oozed ambition from every orifice. Though not particularly handsome, he had been born to a Bostonian banking dynasty, whose ample store of social grace had given him the surplus of swagger that had not been supplied by his blue-blooded genes. How shall we be revenged on him? asked Megan. Let's book him to audition in two places at once, suggested Allison. No, no, replied Megan. That will just make us look bad. All right, then, said Allison. Let's book him for the most humiliating auditions that come across our desks. Perfect, agreed Megan. The next morning, they put their plan into action. They sent him to audition for adult diaper commercials. They sent him to audition for erectile dysfunction aids. They sent him to audition for baldness remedies. They sent him to audition for jock itch ointments. They sent him to audition for denture soaks. They sent him to audition for hemorrhoid creams. They sent him to audition for herpes medications. They sent him to audition with children, with dogs, with bad food. They sent him to remote corners of the metropolis to the Bronx to read for an industrial, and to Jersey to read for a tire commercial. 
They booked him first at 8 a.m. so he couldn't sleep in, or they booked him last at 5.55 p.m. when the auditors were exhausted and crabby. They sent him to the most miserable calls in the shabbiest places with the least reputable firms to face the most abusive auditors. Above all, they never sent him to audition for a gig that he was actually right for. And every Wednesday at the deli over lunch, Megan and Allison compared notes and had a good laugh at the expense of Jonathan Falls, the actor who had had the audacity to try to game them. Three months later, a dozen red roses arrived at both agencies with identical notes attached for Megan and for Allison. My dear agent, thank you for showing me how I've been wasting my time and energy in this business. You've done me an invaluable service. I might have squandered my entire life pursuing a career for which I am clearly ill-suited. I've decided to leave acting for good and go back to school. I'll be attending Harvard Law School in the fall. I wish you success, if there is such a thing, in this stinking sewer of a business. My best wishes, Jonathan Falls. That was Jonathan Falls, read by Maya Sugarman, recording from her home in Pasadena, California, where she's finishing up her master's in business administration. You may remember Maya's spectacular performance as the title character in ISF's 2016 production of Jane Eyre. Here are some thoughts Maya had when reading this story. I gotta say that I am not very familiar with Merry Wives of Windsor. That's the play on which this story is based. So I don't have any insights to share there. But as an actor, the first time I read this story, wow, it really resonated with me. And the thing that really stood out to me was that I'm just not sure that Megan and Allison, the agents in this story, needed to work quite so hard to make Jonathan Falls miserable. Uh, I like to think that my agents didn't have it out for me, but it was still very tough to be an actor and go on auditions that so often were not for very appealing things or things that you just knew that you weren't right for from the get-go. And it can be brutal. Um, Something that you might not know if you're an actor is that, you know, a lot of actors want to do theater. It's their love. It's their passion. I think maybe Jonathan Falls, who went to Yale School of Drama, might have felt the same way. But so often the way to pay the bills is to go on commercial auditions or do these industrials or kind of corporate videos, PSAs, things like that to kind of make ends meet. Uh, And I think especially in Seattle, um, where I was living when I was an actor, it's not that there are a lot of, say, TV shows filming there. Um, And so that is kind of the bulk of what you're going to be sent out for. Uh, Another thing that is the reality of living in a secondary market like Seattle is that a lot of the casting happens regionally in Portland, which is about a three-hour drive away. And 
And so often that would mean a very long drive, like six hours round trip to maybe say one line, sometimes a couple times a week. Uh, and that that can be kind of brutal. And sometimes it's for roles that you just know that you're not right for, but you don't really want to refuse it either. I remember one week I was called to um, to audition to play a mother of like an elementary school age child. But then a couple days later, I was called down to play a 14 year old. And I was probably not right for either of those roles. Although I think I I think I did book the teenager role when I was 28. Um, uh, but it, it's a lot. Um, you know, you kind of are spending a lot of time and a lot of effort. Um, and it, it can be very, very hard. Um, and it just, it's, it's exhausting when you just know that it's not going to work out for you. I remember sometimes I would go to casting calls where they had also been looking maybe specifically for models and I'm five feet tall and definitely not a model. And I just knew that was not going to work out for me. Uh, it's rough. It's very rough. And I don't know that I would go as far as to say what Jonathan Falls said, that it was a stinking sewer of a business, but it was definitely hard enough to make me, like Jonathan, leave for the easier waters of grad school. I um, have been working on getting my MBA and very much missing both theater and even not very fun uh, on-screen auditions that I've just been complaining about. But it's it's a rough cycle because you're always hoping that something's going to work out, kind of waiting with bated breath by the phone to see if maybe it's all going to click. Uh, and, you know, I think something funny of the story that, that also kind of resonated with me is that Jonathan Falls says he's going to Harvard Law School, which is, you know, prestigious, and we all understand that it's something very hard in and of itself. And I was lucky to go to Harvard for undergrad. And I got to say, it was easier to be at Harvard than to be an actor so often. And I think that's just because it's so hard to not make these things feel personal. It's happening so often that you're getting your hopes up and then dashed immediately after. And it's it's a very rough cycle for even the strongest of people. Um, and uh, not always as romantic as you you think it might be going into it. I also think it's important to pull out of this story that um, Jonathan Falls got himself a little bit into this mess, even if maybe it would have been hard without his agents conspiring against him. But he's kind of signed this exclusive agreement with two agents, which is very much a no-no. But it's also funny because I think there's kind of a lore among um, actors that you got to do whatever it takes to be seen in front of casting directors, really kind of like bend the rules to show that you really want it and that you mean it. Um, and so there's kind of that. But then I have definitely heard stories and seen it myself of actors who were trying to be in two places at once and then missing something or not making it in time. And, oh, man, it's a bad luck. And that's very hard in a small community. And it's always ultimately kind of a small community. Um, overall, though, it's hard. It is hard to be as act an actor. It's hard to be an actor. But as hard as it is, I will definitely always miss it. And I will 
definitely always be grateful for my time at Island Shakespeare Festival. I'm very, very glad to be part of this community, even in very small ways. And I, like I think all of us, am, I'm just so excited for the festival to be back in person and live. And I can't wait to be there again, even if it won't be as an actor. Island Ductless Heat Pumps, your local specialist in ductless heating and cooling with a team of experienced professionals. Visit islandductlessheatpumps.com and learn how investing in a ductless heat pump increases the value of your home by more than the cost of installation, reduces your home's carbon footprint more than anything else you can do, and improves your quality of life with the cleanest, healthiest, and most comfortable form of heating and cooling available. With all the energy savings, PSE rebates, and low interest financing available now, there's never been a better time to convert your home's heating and cooling to an island ductless heat pump system. Thank you so much for listening to Tales from the Vomitorium. That was Jonathan Falls, read by Maya Sugarman. Scott is with us today to chat about the story the play from which it is derived, and his experience working on it. Hey, Scott, welcome back. Hi, Alina. Jonathan Falls. Uh, this is, this is uh, derived from The Merry Wives of Windsor. That's right. Um, I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about what inspired this take on, on events in Merry Wives. Well, um, <laughs> I um, I uh, was thinking very much about uh, what an equivalent might be for uh, the way Mary Wives of Windsor ends, and I came up with this idea of uh, Jonathan Falls, who's obviously a, a Jonathan. Uh, Sir John Falstaff, uh, um, and uh, the way that uh, he tries to uh, put one over on two different women at the same time. So uh, that's why I came up with this idea of uh, him, an actor, trying to put one over on a couple of, uh, of talent agents. Um, and, th- and the story kind of proceeded from there. Was this inspired at all by real life events? Um, it, it was not, actually. I mean, I don't know anybody who tried to gain two talent agents. It would probably not go well. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty risky. <laughs> um, but if, if you look at the story that I have, uh, you know, I have uh, Megan uh, Page, who's, uh, you know, Mistress Page in, um, in Mary Wives, and then Allison Ford, who is Alice Ford in Mary Wives. So I've stuck pretty close to the names there. And they meet at the Windsor Deli, which of course is a village of Windsor in England. And uh, uh, so, you know, I've stuck very close to uh, the names, especially in this, uh, in this uh, story. With a story like this, what comes first for you? Was it the oh, I know I want to write about this part of the play or a character that you want to expand on? Or how does, what is that process? Is it different for each one? No, it's different for each one, but this one very much started with a, you know, I need to come up with a man who tries to con two women um, and and work them uh, at the same time. And uh, of course, this being the entire book being about theater people, this was the thing that popped into my head, as you know, with creativity, you never really can explain where things come from. But uh, um, the idea that here that uh, Jonathan Falls is a, is a graduate of uh, Yale and, uh, and a 
you know, a a very wealthy Bostonian with a very healthy ego, um, that seemed like a nice equivalent with uh, Falstaff and the way he thinks of himself uh, and his uh, his his ego and his <laughs> uh, thinking that he's going to get away with just about anything. Um, so you know that's that was kind of the equivalent that uh, I came up with. Um, unlike Mary Wives of Windsor, where Falstaff is dragged through the mud and humiliated. Um, in my story, uh, I put a different twist on it that, uh, um, Falstaff ends up going to Harvard, uh, law and dropping acting altogether, which <laughs> means that unlike Merry Wives, where, uh, um, Falstaff is uh, taught his lesson and gets his comeuppance, um, in my version of the story, um, it actually leads to him, um, moving on. Uh, so the comeuppance actually, uh, backfires in a way why that shift or deviation from the from the play well i mean if you look at most of the stories in in tales uh from the vomitorium uh, i always try to put a little twist in um and uh it uh the idea that this backfires um was interesting to me because uh the way theater is is the unexpected often happens <laughs> um and uh in this case i just thought it would be too easy for him to uh to uh, be taught his lesson to, in my mind i actually wanted to turn it around and uh and uh have it backfire on the two agents <laughs> um let's talk a little bit about the play the merry wives of windsor it's a neat one uh written to give Falstaff from the Henrys a little bit of a play of his own. Is that right? Well, of course, famously, um, Queen Elizabeth asked to see Falstaff in love. Um, we don't know if that story is true. Uh, it, it certainly sounds true. It certainly is believable. The other thing that makes it believable is how quickly um, uh, Mary Wives of Windsor was churned out and put up on the boards, it seems like uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, demanded it and Shakespeare wrote it very quickly. Um, my own opinion is that it was written too quickly, uh, that it's not a particularly successful play. It's, in my mind, it's, it really is not a particularly funny play. Um, it's the equivalent to a modern sitcom, I think, a lot of sort of situational jokes that um, you know often fall flat, I think, in the theater. I think it's very hard to get this play to work. Uh, and famously, a lot of scholars, modern scholars, have said there's absolutely no resemblance between the Falstaff and Mary Wives and the Falstaff of the uh, Henry IV plays, that this is not at all even the same character. Um, and those of us who get to know both versions, the Henry IV Falstaff and the Mary Wives Falstaff, that is a pretty well-supported claim that he simply is not the same character. Um, so I, I actually believe that Shakespeare wrote it, uh, you know, on demand and that he didn't actually do what he was asked to do. Falstaff is not in love. Um, he is trying to con two ladies by pretending to be in love with them. And uh, so it, it really isn't what the queen asked to do. Um, and of course, I have a very deep interest in this because I wrote a play called Falstaff in Love, uh, which, uh, as you know, is uh, my attempt to actually do the thing Queen Elizabeth asked for, which is write uh, a play where Falstaff is in love. My play is, in fact, a sequel 
to the Henry Four plays a young Falstaff who falls in love with a young woman uh, and how that plays out. Uh, but I did, in fact, bend every effort to, uh, you know, follow the history of the Henry Four plays and be true to the character of Falstaff and actually do what... Um, what Queen Elizabeth uh, demanded, which, as I say, Meroise of Windsor truly does not. Right. And in your Falstaff in Love, we get to see the an earlier history of Falstaff and other members of, of the court. And it's really, um, it's it's a delightful prequel to those, to what where we see Falstaff later and also supports then who he becomes. Well, that was my take on on the on the play was starting with a young Falstaff because, you know, the real question about how does Falstaff become Falstaff? I mean, there's no there's no discussion about how he became a knight. Um, how when did he start getting so large? Um, when did the cynicism and irony drop into his life? I mean, uh, you know, young um, young men become Falstaff. And the question is, how does that happen? I, I actually tried to address uh, all of that in, in my play um, and answer that question. How, how does Falstaff become the man he is when we see him in Henry 4.1? Um, is your play available for purchase? Is that on? Oh, your... thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> Just yes, a little plug. <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, it is. It, it is. It's on Amazon um, okay. right now, uh, and uh, it's uh, called Falstaff in Love, and uh, the the author is is uh, Scott Kaiser, me. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about working on this play in in your career? Is it a play that you've had a lot of opportunities with, or very few? I worked on it in uh, 2006 in um, in the Elizabethan Theater at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Um, that production had uh, G. Valmont Thomas as Falstaff, um, and uh, Mr. Page was uh, Shona Tucker, and um, Mrs. Ford was uh, Tyler Layton, um, and it, it was uh, you know it was what every Merry Wives was. It was it was it was a very um, strong attempt to try to get laughs. Um, I think, uh, um, it, uh, I think audiences enjoyed it because they came hoping to laugh and they did, but, uh, I'm not sure it was entirely successful, uh, production. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever seen a successful, personally seen a successful production of this play, one that really makes it relevant. Um, the festival also did something called the Very Merry Wives of Windsor, Iowa, um, in uh, 2012, um, and that was uh, written by uh, Allison Carey, and um, that was another very, um, very, uh, you know, s- strange attempt to adapt the play to make it relevant. And yes, it took place in Iowa at a country fair. Um, uh, I think David Kelly played the Falstaff uh, role and was adapted to be a politician. Um, that. I guess um, I don't want to be too too politic about it, so I'll say that that was uh, not considered a successful experiment. Uh, I think the audiences stayed away in droves <laughs> from that particular uh, production, um, and I don't think it was considered successful at all, uh, either artistically or uh, or financially. So um, again, it even shows that even trying to adapt this play uh, can really send you into traps and pitfalls. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's hard. It's hard to, it's a tough play. <laughs> it's really hard. And I think, you know, everything, uh, everything that you said earlier about, um, it, it's a sitcom and Shakespeare wrote it fast, most likely. And it's just, it's hard to kind of, uh, dig for the art of it. Yeah, it, it just is. It <laughs> it's probably in, in the canon. It, it may even be my my least favorite uh, of of his plays. Yeah, unquestionably mine. <laughs> mm, yeah, like yeah. I just I don't know. It's because it's so so many of the jokes are really like Elizabethan jokes. You know, it's just. Like, and it, it's heavily dependent on um, these uh, characters who are in accents, um, regional British accents. And one, right. the audience doesn't always understand what's being said if you play the accent. And two, um, those characters are hugely stereotypical based on, you know, longstanding English biases and prejudices. Um, and which don't actually carry over to an American audience particularly well. Um, and so it, it really is challenging because so much of the humor is based in stereotype um, and, and English class, uh, um, you know, bias and prejudice. So it, it really is tough to make it play. Indeed. Indeed. Um, cool. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say about Mary Wives? <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't think so. It's not one that I have like a a wealth of questions about, you know, because I just it's a tough play. It's just hard to I'm I don't have a lot of interest in it. <laughs> so And ISF has not done this play yet. Is that is that right? No, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hopefully not during my tenure. You know? <laughs> I'm so just you're, gonna... not, you're not canon clicking away uh, hoping to get to it. Uh, not hoping to get to it. I'm I'm repeating things before I do. <laughs> ah, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> Why you want to direct it? No, no. I, 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 <laughs> okay, I might I might at some point want to rewrite it entirely. But oh, I all right. To... <laughs> well, that I could I could get behind that, but yeah, like I just uh, yeah. And also the Merry Wives of uh, the Very Merry Wives of Windsor, Iowa was my I hadn't read it before then. So that was my introduction to it. Oh, I, oh that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's hard to get that out of my brain. The butter I, cow. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the butter cow or whatever that the was. The butter cow. Uh, it was yeah. That was the thing you remember the most about that production For is just how sure. some of uh, the most bizarre sets of props that you ever saw. Yeah. Well, in in trying to in trying to um, make it relevant for today, it's so I don't know how you avoid the trap of replacing the Elizabethan stereotypes with our own, which is problematic in its own right. You know. I, I think that's true. I mean, I think there was a famous production that Peter Sellers did in a trailer park. Um, and uh, but even, you know, in that regard, you still have to deal with class differences. Right. Yeah. So cool. Let's not do Merry Wives. Sounds good. <clears throat> 
Great. Well, thank you so much, Scott, for chatting Merry Wives with us today. Thank you, Olina. <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tales from the Vomitorium, 38 short stories by Scott Kaiser. Sound design and composition by Orion Michael Schwong. This episode is sponsored in part by Island Ductless Heating, the Goose Community Grocer, Goosefoot Community Fund, Whidbey Telecom, and by our listeners. Support us and learn more at islandshakespearefest.org.